Hello, my name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 207. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. And it was Hanukkah last week. Yeah, I don't really know the deal. It was eight days, and it started last week, and so I, it, by the time people hear this, it will be over. All right, whatever. And do you remember last year when we had Santa on our show? Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> he liked to eat sushi and do yoga. It was one of the more interesting interviews we've ever done. <laughs> I know. Well, speaking of, I actually just posted, a, or Huffington Post just posted a blog of mine about believing in Santa. Thanks, Ariana Huffington. Thank you. You're, and- you're buds with her. Well, I would say that. Your buds. We are not buds. You guys go way back. We, she, I, we, Let me introduce the show, sweetie. Okay, go ahead. Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And then our marketing strategy. Just share the show. Just tell a friend. Say, hey, these two um, are interesting. Like Just like how Todd, when the show first came out, we had no reviews. So he decided to post his own review these two of get us. It. And he wrote, these two get it. These two get it. So just say, these two get it. That's right. That's what you do. Oh, and actually, we do have a review I want we to do? share. Okay. Uh, it says, empowering. This was on December 13th. I don't know who did it. Zen Parenting Radio is such a highlight in my life. I've been listening to Todd and Kathy for almost a year, and I just finished my first virtual retreat with them. Ah, it's a retreater. And I'm really looking forward to the next one in the spring. Are we going to do one in the spring? Well, remember in the email I sent the retreaters, I said we're going to do another one. We're only going to do two a year. So we did one for the holidays. It's already over, and Mm. it was fantastic. Huge group of people. Yeah. And then we had um, we have one in the spring. She said, so many personal breakthroughs and insights have come to my awareness since I've been listening to ZPR Inspiring. So Thank if you, you haven't given us a review and you like our show, give us a review. It helps us uh, uh, be more uh, present in the podcasting world. Awesome. Um, I had a realization that has nothing to do with Zen Parenting Radio, but I'd like to just share personal realizations. Please. We live in Chicago. It's cold, wintertime, snow. What's mm-hmm. the worst month of the winter? February. February, because it sucks. Like, yeah. cause if, at least in March, you know the end is near. In January, January you get the hangover right from the Christmas the time, but February just kind of stinks. Yeah, and um, we're just tired of it. Here's the deal: Christmas is f- almost in the fall. Like we think of Christmas as this winter holiday, and it's in the winter, but only by four days. Wow, that's interesting. Because uh, winter starts on December twenty first, or give or take. You're December right. 20th. You're right. So we think like it's in the heart of winter, but it's not. It's at the very beginning of winter. Mm. And then we have to like wait for baseball to show up in April. So it's almost like we don't appreciate what winter is because we think it's been going on longer than it has. No, like it's not even winter right now. Right. And But what I'm saying is with that understanding, we're still in the fall right now. Christmas is over. When Christmas is over, we get past it, and then we're in winter. And so we then we should start our winter thinking then. Yeah. So then February is not so bad. Because you know what? You know what else, Todd? In March, I'm expecting warm weather. Yeah, and it, it never happen. happens. Right. Why do I expect warm weather in March? And it's like we're four days away from Christmas being in the fall. That's just weird to me. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, um, that's my thing. So usually we have a bunch of different topics to go over, but we're going to focus on relationships, yeah. sweetie. yeah. But before we focus on relationships, I'm going to talk about our first partner, Dr. John Kelly. He is a dentist on the northwest side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And his number is 773-631-6844. And his website is chicagodentistonline.com. 
We're big fans of his, and if you live in the Chicagoland area, give him a call. All right. So you sent me this Atlantic article. Correct. And I actually know who wrote it because I came semi-prepared. Emily Smith? Emily Estefani Smith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's got a middle name. And this is back from June, so this is kind of old. But the name of the article is called Masters of Love. Yeah, it somehow made the internet rounds again. I don't know what prompted it. Mm -hmm. Maybe the holidays. I don't know. But it went around the internet again, and um, it – well. I think it just speaks to a lot of what we talk about on this show. It's not really shocking because lasting relationships come down to two things. Two things, sweetie. Guess what they are. uh, Love and kindness. Kindness. Oh. Generosity. Kindness and generosity. Mm -hmm. Well, um, she begins the article saying the majority of marriages fail. Just statistically, they do. Either ending in divorce or just devolving into bitterness. Is it majority? I thought it was 50-50. No, of course it's not 50-50. Majority. Oh, wow. Okay. Over half. Okay. So, um, and the reason we're talking about it here is this is Zen Parenting Radio. This isn't Zen Marriage Radio, but parent, but parenting and marriage kind of usually go hand in hand. Yeah, or partnership in marriage, or partnership in child rearing. So, um, you know, I've always said that the best gift you can give to your children is to be a good spouse. Yeah. You know, my, the best gift that I can give to them is to be a good role model to my three daughters of what a good husband does. Mm-hmm. Not so much what I, how I guide my children, but how I interact with you. Yeah, and I think a lot of especially because you are raising three daughters. So how you interact with me is how they perceive a man to interact with a woman. That's right. So if I beat you, right, they're going to think that that's normal, awful, and normal. Like you said, their heart will know it's awful, but in their in their subconscious, there'll be a normal normalcy to it. Right. And and I feel like if I were to be a bad husband like that, without even their own decisions they would just kind of attract themselves to that type of guy. That would be... How does that happen? Well, it's like I said, it's subconscious, and and you said beat, and everybody gets in their mind that that means physical, but there's also emotional beatings and yeah. spiritual beatings, and it's just a way of not being generous, a way of being cruel um, to your partner in some way. And when children see that, mm. when they experience that and grow up in a home like that, not only does that feel normal to them, but that feels like home. Right. And so what they find out in the world that they tend to be attracted to are things that feel like home. Yeah. And even if they know it's not good for them, it's somehow really attractive. We are attracted to what's fam- comfortable familiar. and familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even though, and it takes a lot of work to not, you know, there's plenty of people who have had that experience in their childhood who have been able to not choose that for themselves. So in no way do I feel that it's impossible, but it just takes so much awareness and it takes so much work to get to a point where you recognize what's best for you and who you are. And while I commend people who can do that, I kind of feel like Todd said, one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is having that innate sense of groundedness so they don't have to go through all of that pain and experience to get to a place where they recognize that being treated well is normal. It's all about putting ourselves in a position, putting our children in a position to succeed. Is it possible that if I'm a horrible husband, that our daughters will attract an amazing husband? It's, it's possible. It, it could happen. But you're not putting them in, a, in the best position to succeed. The best yeah. way to do that 
is to show them what a healthy marriage looks like. Right. Because then it just becomes second nature, literally. It just becomes something like when someone's not kind to them, they immediately know that that's not something that they want to deal with. If you grow up in a home where unkindness is common, then when people are unkind, you're a lot more accepting of it because you have that sense you have a tolerance for it and when you when children are like wait that doesn't feel right or that doesn't feel good and in their home that was validated then they know to run away so we love it when science kind of intersects with our outlook in the world science that's your song well i was gonna sing she blinded me with science but then i just started singing that end part why don't you play it instead? I'll sing along. She blinded me with science. science. Beep, beep, beep. I'll play it. I'm watching the video right now. It's a really odd video. He's oh. a psychiatrist. We got to get at least to the part where he says she blinded me with science. Is it that old guy? Yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. How do you not know this video? This is stupid. Okay, turn it down a little because I'm screaming. All right. How's that? That's great. Um, How did you not see that a million times when it was on in the 80s? Because I didn't watch Friday Night Videos. You did, though. I watched the first one where they played Sharp Just Man by ZZ Top. And that was it, and then you would turn it off. And then I'm like, this show stinks. (laughs) Well, I loved Friday Night Videos. Didn't it start, like, really late? Yeah, like 10 or something. No, I think it was like 11.30 or something. Really? I don't know. I watched it all the time. Well, anyway. All right, so I was talking about science. science. Caught up with it. So there's this professor or psychologist, John Gottman, all right? So he was on a quest to figure out what makes relationships work. So he set up what's called a love lab, which could be misinterpreted if it's you know. It's kind of like Masters of Sex. You remember that? Remember that thing? I never, I never watched that show. Oh well, it was a true story. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a show on Showtime or something. Uh, no, it's Masters and Johnson. They are real people who did all sorts of research. The guy's name was Johnson. No, her name was Johnson. That's His kind of name funny. Was um, so they, what did this guy do? He brought newlyweds into a lab and watched them interact with each other. Yes. Hey, we're going to talk about two different studies. This is the first one. They hooked up couples to electrodes and asked them, asked couples to speak about their relationship, how they met, uh, conflicts, a positive memory, and the electrodes measured the subject's blood flow, heart rates, how much they sweat, blah, blah, blah. And what he figured out was that there's two major groups. There's the masters. Okay. And the disasters. Okay. All right. Um, they saw clear differences between the two groups. The disasters look calm during the interviews, but their physiology measured by the electrodes told a different story. Their heart rates were quick, sweat glands were active, and their blood flow was fast. And they found that more physiologically active the couples were in the lab, the quicker the relationships deteriorated over time. Mm. What do you think about that? I guess it makes sense. I, I think what they're trying to say is that when asked questions about their relationship and when measuring what's going on inside, if they had a lot of stress and anxiety about what they were saying or being asked, then it demonstrated that there was probably stress or anxiety within the relationship. Yeah, they were prepared to either attack or be attacked. It's kind of like their default mode. Their default was the fight or flight <clears throat> thing and yes. that they were, um, you know, that they were instantly annoyed, provoked, and it just kind of gave them an understanding of these people who they were probably probably going to um, not always be receptive to their partner, not always be in a place of awareness and awakeness. So those were the disasters. What about the masters? They felt calm and connected together, and they were warm and aff- with their warm and affectionate behavior. So essentially, their heart rate didn't go up. Right. They didn't get as sweaty. 
They just things were calmer. They felt good. Yeah. And it's a predictor. Like, how is this useful? Well, it was kind of a predictor to um, – it's weird. Like, you can look at – put a, hook up electrodes to people's brains and tell whether or not they are going to make it or not. Which is, again, science is extreme in that science will just say, well, this is the way it is, where what they're finding is a – What's the word I'm looking for where there's like um, statistical significance? Yeah, right. It's not – there's no way to say this is never going to work if this happened. Right. There's, I don't there's like no that. sure thing there's with no anything. There's no sure thing. But they, they're trying to make predictive analysis. Research significance, yeah. So that was kind of the boring first test they did. Their second test, which was pretty – was cooler. Cool. He designed a lab at the University of Washington and on campus, they created like a beautiful bed and breakfast retreat. And they he invited couples one at a time, 130 of them, to spend the day together and watched how they interacted. Mm-hmm. You know, vacation, they cooked, they cleaned, they listened to music, they ate, they chat, they hung out. And um, they all they did was observe, right? So they did something called what he figured out was partners would make requests for connection. So do you want to tell the bird story? Do you remember yeah. that? Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. Basically, um, he would recognize that, for example, he used that a husband who was you know, doing this, um, was one of his lab participants, he was a bird enthusiast. And he would see birds and point out birds and you know, kind of say to his wife, hey, look at that bird. And the researcher, the Scotman guy, would notice whether or not the partner, the the wife, would actually acknowledge what he said and looked and would validate what he said. Like, oh, yeah, there is a pretty bird, or oh, you like that bird, or thanks for showing me, or whatever. Basically, they called it the turn toward. Either turn towards or turn, turn away. away. The turn away is I'm busy doing my dismissive. own thing. Dismissive. You know, in this day and age, it would be being on your phone yeah. and not listening to what your partner's saying, kind of thinking that whatever you're doing is more important than what they're saying so they call this uh, this interaction a bid like it's a bid like hey kathy show this uh, look at this bird out the window Mm -hmm. and depending on how you react to that bid is an indicator on whether or not your marriage is going to fail or if it's going to succeed and that one makes a ton of sense to me not that the other one isn't relevant this is a little bit more understandable this makes sense to me because this is when i'll just speak for myself when i feel most connected to todd is when i you know we share an office and you know we do a lot of talking back and forth but when i share something with him and he like stops and acknowledges what i'm saying and maybe adds to it or you know maybe we're doing something socially and i say something funny to him and he acknowledges it like basically it's not just it's not a like you know this article is about the husband pointing about out the bird it's not about the bird mm-hmm. it's about the acknowledgement that a person you care about is telling you something and wants to be validated in that way and you know you'll say oh it does every interaction have to be a validation no yes. no yes not, well i mean but there's times when you ask me to do something and i'm in the middle of something so it's not like a complete predictor but no i i i must have said that wrong is every interaction can it offer validation? Sure. Yes. So doesn't mean you're going to be right. 100%. But it doesn't yeah. mean you're going to be right 100 percent of the time. Like something else that Todd and I always talk about is there's something called an emotional bank account. And if you've put enough deposits, meaning majority of the time Todd is acknowledging what I say, that on the times that he can't because he's exhausted, busy, the Super Bowl is on, or he's on a phone call, that's not going to be. I'm not going to be like, well, that one time because right. it, plenty of times he does the turn toward. Yeah. It's making so, deposits into the emotional bank account of your partner. And as long as you're making more deposits and withdrawals, then you're going to do it. But it's interesting. You know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, in the last couple months, we've had a few talks where I felt like, you know, you were distant distant, or whatever it may be. And that is the indicator right there is like when you start to feel like your deposits are catching up yeah. with your 
withdrawals. Uh, withdrawals yeah. Where, it, you know, it's again, it's not a literal. I'm not, you know, no one's making notes. It's a feeling. Yeah. It's like, well, wait a second. I, that didn't bother me two days ago. Didn't bother me last night. But today, it's been four or five times. And, and that's the feeling that a partner, a man or a woman gets when they feel like you've been turning away from me more than you're turning toward me. So this is what the doctors figured out. Couples who had a divorce who had divorced after six years. So they followed up with these. So they observed them, let's say, in 1990. 1996, they asked them, hey, how's it going? Um, couples who had divorced after a six-year follow-up had turned toward bids 33% of the time. So the couples that broke up, only 33% of the time did the partner turn towards them. Interesting. 67% of the time they, they turned not. away. How about the others? Only three in 10 other bids for emotional connection. Turn towards bids was eighty seven percent of the time. Yeah. So got so this guy could predict with up to ninety four percent certainty whether or not couples, whether they're rich or poor, gay, childless, not child, whatever, they he can predict just on this simple observation of how we re- interact and relate mm-hmm. to one another. I remember in my men's group, I had you come and present to my men's group one mm-hmm. time or just be a part of the discussion. And I think the title of the night was Understanding Understanding women. the Way Women Think. Mm-hmm. And you gave a whole list of things that women look for Three in things. their men. But the one that I find most important or the one that I remember the most was you, the, the wives, all they want is for their husbands to have their back. Yeah, right. Big time. I feel like I felt like that was the biggest one. What yeah. were the What were the two other things? Um, I don't remember. remember. Oh. I have them written down because I remember I oh, did yeah, that. Oh yeah, three things. It was supposed to be like ten minutes, and, and I went the, on for forty five. The guys kept asking questions, and it was good. But the one about having your back, the way that this shows up is if you make fun of your partner in front of people, you don't have their back. And I'm talking girls. I'm talking wives and husbands because we can say, oh, the husbands do this more, but women do it too. I get in groups of women where sometimes there's a huge disparaging of husbands. And I I don't often think that's very funny um, just because it doesn't make a a sense. Meaning that if if really what you want is to have connection, then there's – let me say this. I always have to say this. There's a difference between venting Mm -hmm. and gossiping. And if you are with a best friend or with a group of friends you trust and you feel the need to vent, that is one thing. But when you are in a social group of people and you decide to disparage your partner, that's a very different thing. So not having their back shows up with being disparaging, not having their back shows up with not listening. Well, and it's weird because in a screwed up way, it's it's almost easier to conform to the group because every – a lot of people complain about their significant others, guys to the women and women to the guys. And it takes somebody strong and courageous to say, you know what? I love my wife. I don't I don't have the same yeah. stories that you guys have about your wives. And one of my favorite things, or I think Todd would say this is one of his favorite things too, is meeting older couples who still speak lovingly. Like mm-hmm. uh, there was a couple that did our retreat and, you know, on our retreat, you could gift the retreat to somebody. And this woman, and I honestly don't know her age, but I know she was around our age or older. She gifted it to her husband and her husband did a reply to all. Yeah. So I got the email and he wrote, thanks, sweetie. This yeah. is great. And, it's and that's very I, endearing. It's endearing. And... Like there's something very lovely about how hard is it to be kind to your partner, either through an email or in public. I, I don't know why that's difficult. Well, and the biggest challenge, speaking from a guy, is, and it's not like a, all these guys sit there and complain about their wives, but I've been in those circles where of they course, do. And if too. you really want to test whether or not you're walking the walk is to disagree with the majority of your buddies who are you know, complaining about their wives or saying happy wife, happy life, which triggers me. I can't stand that phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So if you really want to test to see if you're walking the walk on the spiritual path and and if you do, in fact, love your wife, say it to your buddies. Well, and what I was going to say was you don't have to disagree with them. Mm -hmm. You just don't do what they're doing. I don't feel like you need to confront people. You could, though. You could, but that's where they are in the moment. You don't need to tell them they're wrong and you're right. No, but I could say... I I don't have the same story as you guys. Well, do. That, and that's a totally different thing. Right. That's basically speaking, and and this is again, you know, my women's group. We had this conversation a couple weeks ago. We were talking about how the word husband can contain a lot of energy that has nothing to do with us. Meaning, historically speaking, what a husband was for, um, what why a woman would marry, it no longer exists. Right. Husband, we can financially take care of ourselves now. We no longer need to be given um, as um, property. Right. We, but there's a a con a what's that a consciousness yeah. out there of that a husband somehow owns us yeah. or that we're battling against them. And something I mentioned to Todd many years ago is even though obviously I have no problem calling you my husband, you are my friend. Right. You know, you are my best friend. Husband's more of like a title, like it a legal is. thing. And it makes, it carries an energy with it that kind of makes you want to fight with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that husbands are difficult or yeah, wives yeah. are difficult. And, and there's an energy to there's that There's an word. energy to it, yeah. it, like there is to marriage. Yeah. And so sometimes it's like you have to shift words to have an understanding of what kind of relationship you want to have. Like many, many years ago, um, when I was kind of coming into my own spiritual awareness, I had to put the word God aside Mm -hmm. for a little bit. It's come back into my life. But there was a time that I had a different understanding of what God was, so I had to start using different words like universe Mm -hmm. or nature so I could get a full understanding. And then God came back in, and now I understand what that means for me. Sometimes we have to do that with marriage and yeah. husband and wife. Yeah. We have to put the words aside right. so we can recognize, like, you know, I think about my best friend from high school or my best friends from college. Them making a mistake wouldn't cause them to not be my best friends anymore. Right. But sometimes with our partner, we hold them up to this ridiculous yeah. expectation. Right. Or we're afraid of them. Right. Or we're, it's just we have to shift the relationship, just like we are with our kids. Right. Um, I want to share this sentence because it's really powerful from this article. Uh, There's the masters and the disasters, and the disasters are obviously are not going to make it usually, and the masters are going to make it. He says that there's a habit, or she does, there's a habit of mind that the masters have, which is this. They are scanning the social environment for things that they can appreciate and say thank you for. Mm. They are building this culture of respect and appreciation very purposefully. Disasters are scanning the social environment for partners' mistakes. Mm. Isn't that great? So basically what it's saying is you're either scanning for gratitude or you're scanning for problems. Right. He, he says contempt. Uh, you know, are you going to look for kindness and generosity or are you going to look for contempt, mm. like a reason to criticize? I love it. And it's all about that. Um, you know, the kindness glues us together. And if you show me kindness, then odds are... I'm going to show it back. And that's kind of one of those new things is when I'm feeling lack in myself, Mm because it all starts with me, what I try to do is be more loving to others, my children and my husband and anybody else, because then I start to fill up rather than look outside and say, who is making me feel better? I realize that the way that I can get more God, this this sounds so cliche. Mm-hmm. The way that I can get more is I start giving what I need. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it's cliche and it makes sense. I do it to you all the time. Like if I really feel like I need hugs, yeah. I go hug you. Right. 
or that's how you make shit. But but the unconscious person will be like, he never hugs me, right? And complain about it to their friends. Hug your partner, right? And cultivate that environment. And if they are a non-hugger back, or mm-hmm. if they don't do it, or mm-hmm. if they are somehow embarrassed by it, that necessitates a conversation. Right. So it's not always as perfect. If you do it, then it comes back. Right. We we have to be willing to not only go after what we need, but speak what we need if it's not being reciprocated. Right. And so, but man, this is a huge vulnerable thing. You know that? Well, there's two ways to think about kindness. That you, Some people think you either have it or you don't, but the masters think of kindness as a muscle that you build. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, so it's something that you have to work. It doesn't always come naturally. It's something you have to work towards. Well, you know, I remember in Brene Brown's research, she said she thought that there were people in the world that were vulnerable or not vulnerable, or she thought that there were people in the world that were grateful or not grateful. And she found out that was never the case. Right. It was choices. It's when you are presented with something, sometimes people show up vulnerable. And, and vulnerable, again, the way Todd and I talk about it is a very positive thing, yeah. meaning heart-centered, right. courageous. Right. Um, and some people show up shut down depending mm-hmm. on the situation. So you always have a choice. You don't have to – people who walk around and say, oh, I'm just not a vulnerable person. I'm not a grateful person. You're not – you can't define – I mean, I guess you can define yourself if you want to. But it's choices that you make in the moment. You could have lived your whole life up to this point not being very grateful and start being grateful today, and you're a grateful person. Do you see what I mean? Well, one one clarifying factor I want to say about kindness is that that doesn't mean that we don't get pissed at each other or we don't have disagreements or or think it's not always smooth sailing. It's about when you do something that upsets me, how do I express that to you? Right, do fighting, I, the do, type of fighting. Do, yeah, how do you fight? Do you fight respectfully? Right. Or do you start taking pot shots at your partner for things that happened two weeks ago or two years ago? Or you start you know, bringing up stuff that you thought – that she thought was resolved, and all of a sudden you're bringing it back. That's an ego fight of needing to win. Right. And a lot of people, when they go into a fight, they put on their armor, and then they go in, and their only resolution is, I'm going to win. Um, we talked about that on the retreat. Uh, we talked about communication, and one of the things was, is if you are going into a discussion that's important, one of the things you have to be open to is its resolution, mm-hmm. meaning you can't go in and say, it better resolve this way or else we didn't resolve it. You have to let go of how you think it's going to be right. to allow it to become what it is. And sometimes that means you have to let the other person speak and share their perspective. Mm -hmm. You have to be open to the fact that you may be playing a role in it somehow. You have to be able to recognize your vulnerabilities um, while you are discussing your partner's vulnerabilities or else you're just in a hierarchy. You're trying to be better than. Well, and one other good indicator on, on figuring out what type of couple you are, it's not necessarily when things get bad, it's when things are good. And they talk about in the article about how when a partner has good news to share. Mm, it's so huge. And there's four different ways, categories that they put together as far as how you receive good news. So like, let's say you got a big promotion at work uh-huh. or whatever it is. There's four different, it's passive destructive, Active destructive, passive constructive, and active constructive. So passive passive destructive would be to ignore it, like, you know, big deal. So you completely ignore it. Mm. Passive constructed, constructive says, you know, that's great. And while he's saying that's great, he's on his phone. Mm. All right? So he acknowledges it, but with a passiveness. Right. Active destructive is an interesting one because it says, well, are you sure you can handle all that? Like in this case, it would be like the... Are you sure that you can handle the extra workload Mm. or you're really going to have to spend time away from our kids now that you got this promotion? Mm. So like you're questioning 
this really good thing that you're excited to tell me about. Mm, You know what I mean? And then last but not least is the obvious, uh, the act of constructed, which is a heartfelt congratulations and you're completely feeling it with your partner. I think that's the piece that people miss. And I know that I do this too. I'm, this is a very human thing, but is that acknowledging our partner and having, and, and not just making them feel good, but experiencing their joy with them. Not only does that feel good for us, but that comes back to us. And that a lot of times we think we need to knock our partner down to keep them at level with us. Like, um, you know, in a lot of relationships, there's a lot of fear. Like if one of the partners loses weight, oh no, they won't want to be with me anymore. Or if they start to do well in work, oh no, I'm not going to be good enough anymore. And it has nothing to do with you. Like the more that you can support and see, when I say see, I mean literally acknowledge all the greatness in your partner that strengthens your relationship that doesn't you push them away if you don't acknowledge if you do acknowledge you push them closer to you yeah and i will say not only in our relationship but even with my friendships the people who can be there's when you have a tragedy most people show up not everybody right and and some people may disagree with me on that but when i've had some negative experiences people tend to rally yeah when really good things are happening to you sometimes they bail sometimes people don't show up because it makes them feel like less than and and there are certain people in my life who always show up when good things are happening and when bad things are happening and it's mo- it's probably more meaningful on the good stuff because the bad stuff you know it's my, easy. my mom died on august 30th yeah. i mean i was surrounded by friends who i hadn't seen in years yeah and i love them for showing up but that's kind of the easy one because that truly is a crisis and more immediate. Yeah, and a lot of us have had the experience. Yeah. And so in, in no way am I trying to put down showing up in a crisis. That's amazing. And 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 I don't want to make it sound like it's not a big deal because we're saying it's easy when really right. some people don't even do that. Right. But it's easier yeah. because when someone's having something really amazing happen to them, a lot of times we're like, eh, big deal, or they already feel good, so I'm not going to make them feel better. And just when – Everybody has their own insecurities. Right. And when your friends support you, even in your your big, you know, the good things in your life, yeah. um, that means so much. Because then you feel that you can be that person. Right. Because when, show up as you as are. As that person. Right. Because when you, when people don't accept you in that way, you feel like you need to dim yourself right. in order to be accepted. Right. You need to not shine or else people will not they won't appreciate you there right. or they won't want you there and so anyway that's just important to know so um pretty serious topic important topic that we're mm-hmm. talking about here so we need to mix it up and... oh good you've been dumb before charlie brown but this time you really did it who said that lucy so, linus it you've does... been dumb before charlie brown but this time you really did it i, I think it's linus i don't think that's linus isn't there anyone who knows what christmas is all about that's Charlie. Rats. Nobody sent me a Christmas card today. I almost wish there weren't a holiday season. I know nobody likes me. Why do we have to have a holiday season to emphasize it? Charlie. He, he's kind of a depressed kid, isn't he? Well, Charles Schultz deal? was depressed. Oh, he and was? And so Charlie Brown was his alter ego. Got it. And, but what did he always end on? Um... A good note? Yeah. He always found the heart because, you know, in Charlie Brown, and we actually taped this the other night, so we'll watch it in the next two or days, next day or two. But um, Charlie Brown found the little tree, and everybody understood that, that 
Christmas is not about finding the best tree. Right. It's about giving love to something that needs it. And Linus helps him understand that. Linus is the heart of the show. But then the great pumpkin, same thing. Yeah. You know, he always found the heart. So even though he had some challenges in his life, I think he knew what was most important. I said my first words. But, but snowmen can't talk. Happy birthday! That hat brought Frosty to life. What? It must be magic. What do you think of Frosty? Um, I watch it every year, but it's not my favorite. Really? No, I didn't like the uh, the drawings of the kids. I I just I'm much more attracted to either Charlie Brown or the claymation, mm. the Rudolph stuff. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I, I haven't figured out if I really love Frosty. Anyways, I think I like the song. I think the song rules. Yeah, well, it does rule. But the Did cartoon... I just, I just called it claymation. It's not claymation. What is that called? Stop action? Claymation. No, because they're not they're made out Rudolph? of clay. Are they made out of clay? That Rudolph thing? Yeah. Yeah, they're, it's claymation. Okay. If not, it's we're, we're right, because nobody else is here to correct us. Nobody can talk to us through the... So our second partner is um, Dr. Kelly from Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. If you um, are interested in any chiropractic care and you live in the Chicagoland area, 630 8733, and the website is All right, You got it. So this is a quick thing before I get into my money talk. Money, money, money. You have to play Money by Pink Floyd. Um, I have played Money by Pink Floyd, but I think I'm going to... Okay, so this is the third time that I have talked about this. Um, It's a quick excerpt from this book I'm reading called um, Money, Master the Game. Money. By Tony Robbins. We're going to talk about saving money. Okay. One of my favorite things to do, right, sweetie? Toddy loves to save money, so much so that I feel better going somewhere if I have a coupon because I know Todd gets really excited about that. I do. I love coupons. Um, So why do you think it's so hard to save? I'm going to tell you why, sweetie. There's something called present bias. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'll give you an example. It's all easier right. to understand. Uh, there's this professor that asked all of his students if they want bananas or chocolate for a snack in two weeks from now. Okay. And 75% of said the bananas. students said bananas. So two weeks passes and they, he still gave them their choice. Like, okay, what do you want? Bananas or chocolate? What do you think they chose? Chocolate. 80% of the people <laughs> chose chocolate. I love it. So self-control in the future isn't the problem. That's what saving is. It's self-control in the future. Uh-huh. We know we'll save next year, but today we go ahead and spend. So totally. here, here's the bottom line. If we feel like we're losing something today, we'll avoid it and we won't do it. And it's saving, it sounds like we're giving something up, something we're losing today. But in actuality, we're giving ourselves the peace of mind today that we're taking care of our future self. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yes. It's not, it's, we think that like we are lacking if we save today because we don't get today's immediate gratification. But the immediate grat- gratification you get is, is that, that you're, you're taking you're, care, you're making your promise to your future self. That you are taking care of it. You know what? I We had to do this interesting thing at this women's workshop that I went to where we had to talk to ourselves as an 80-year-old woman. Okay. So it's like you were sitting across from yourself. You had to visualize yourself as an 80-year-old woman and then have a conversation. Right. And those were the kind of things. I mean, besides live your life, do what – you know, all those deep things we talk about on the show, be who you are. Part of it was – 
hey, save your money. Right. You know, because if the things you're buying right now don't mean anything. Mm, I like that. And the things that, you know, the things that you think make you a value have nothing to do with you. Right. You don't need 10 flat screen TVs. And save that money from me, right. the 80-year-old yeah, self. Because that is who you are. That's It's just not where you are right now. You're right. That's you. So I have a trick okay. for, our, for our audience. For Let's those of you who collect a paycheck, uh, the best trick to save money is to tell your employer to deduct it directly out of your paycheck. Yeah. Um, because... There's a part of us that doesn't actually realize that it's ours when it's deducted before we get the paycheck. In other words, from a psychological standpoint, we are much more likely to save if it's an auto debit versus receiving our whole paycheck and then writing the check out to our you know, 401k plan or something. Now, the act of actually writing the check is so hard because we have the money. But if we sidestep that and never truly get it, from our and paycheck. it was never ours. It was never ours. Mm-hmm. And that's the trick. Now, when you and I first started dating, yeah. and we were kind of talking about money stuff, which you should do while you're dating, by the way, yeah. um, I used to, tax-wise, mm-hmm. allow the government to keep more of my money right. so I would get a huge amount back at the end of the year. Right. Bad idea. Well, you didn't. But see, here's the thing. is I understand why it's a bad idea now, and, and I, I get that you want to take your own money and save it, and you earn the interest. I get that. Yeah. But I kind of felt like for who I was at the time. Yeah, you knew who you were. You I knew, knew if you got it. If I got it, I would not it. So save yeah, it. Yes. So if you don't have the discipline, yeah. then you do exactly what you so just So what said. I would do is every year at tax time, I would get a ton of money. Yeah. And that would pay off other things. So you would say, well, just pay it off as you go. But right. so you got to know who you are. Right. Because when I would get it in my paycheck... I would not put it right. toward what it should go to. Exactly. It would be like pennies dwindling away. I understand. Um, so the last thing, and then we'll move on, is an easy way is like sometimes you don't know how much to save. Sometimes you feel like you should save 3%, 6%, 9%. And think of it in terms of this, like 30 years down the road, you're going to buy something because you want to be able to afford some transportation. If you save 3% of your paycheck today, you'll be able to buy yourself some gym shoes. If you buy, if you save six point five percent, let's say, you can buy yourself a bicycle. If you save nine percent, you can buy a moped. Eleven percent, you can buy a motorcycle, and fifteen percent, you could buy a sports car. So think of it in terms of, well, I'm just I'm saving three, so that's good enough. Well, if you really want to give yourself the options that you're hoping for as an older person, the more you save now, the faster it compounds, and the more you have later. And I think for you, that's exciting. And for someone like me, there's no joy in that saving. Really? Um, I think that I, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to put this away. And then someday I'm going to be able to do this or buy this. And I think majority of people are instant gratification people. Right. But we are living in a society right now where I don't know what the stat is, but like over half of the baby boomers right now have less than $1,000 saved. Oh, I know. It's and who's brutal. going to pay for them? Pay for their ability to go to the hospital. It's wrong. It's wrong. We have to build it into our society because Americans, by their very nature, generally speaking, are not good savers. And see, here's the thing. I completely agree with you, and your tips are actually going to be very helpful, and they they really stimulate my thinking. But 
it's this is the surface problem. Yeah. The underlayer problem is our own lack of self-worth yeah. and our feelings that we need to keep up with the Joneses and that if we don't have the new gym shoes that we somehow don't belong. Right. If we can resolve that, right. then a lot of our money issues would fade. True, true. So we need to have the self-awareness talk along with the money talk. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I was going to bring up this other article, but I'm not going to. Um, I feel like we should promote this idea that we had at dinner either last night or oh, yes, two please. nights before. Yeah. So you try, you start. Okay, well, what we want to do is on our website, we have um, something called Speak, Leave a Message. Yeah, Leave it's, a Message. It's called SpeakPipe, but it yeah. doesn't say that. Yeah, leave I a think message. it's called Leave a Message, and basically you click on it and you can leave an audio message. Um, some people have used it before. We've played people's clips, but it's so easy to go there, zenparentingradio.com. If you have a spouse, a husband or a wife um, or a partner who has done something really amazing for your relationship, whether last week, last year, 10 years ago, it doesn't matter. Or all along the way. Yeah. Share that story with us. And again, it's got to be short. It can't be this long, drawn-out story. Because we want to play some clips of it on a future show. We do, because I'm not going to share this right now because I haven't gotten permission to, but I was telling Todd a story about one of my friends and how her husband showed up for her in this amazing mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. like a way that Todd kept saying, I don't know if I would have done that, you right. know? And sometimes those things, you know, what my friend said after he did it, she said to her girls, that's what people do for you when they love you. And so that's kind of the basis of what does someone do for you when they love you? And again, we're talking heart-centered things. It's Gifts are nice, and that is a love language, but it's not so much about buying you a trip. It's about that really heart-centered, deeply connected, um, you know, looking at the bird yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be this grand thing. I no. mean, it, it certainly can be, but I feel like if we're titling this and we're just kind of making this up as we go along, tell us a story of how your partner showed up. Shows up for you. Yeah. Showed up or shows up because like if it was if I was doing this for you, yeah. I would just simply say when I need to talk you listen and mm-hmm. you validate it. Right. You don't always agree with it, but you normalize it and you say, "Oh, that's interesting." And the idea behind this project for lack of a better term is, you know, we're surrounded by negativity when you turn the news on and there's some amazing things that go on on a daily basis that never gets recognized. And we're just trying to recognize these simple acts of love. Yeah. And share them with the audience because I think it'll be a heartwarming episode if we get enough people to do it. Yeah. And we'll talk about it next week too so we can get a lot of people to do it. But share it. And if you don't want to share your name, just say, you know, say hi. I just want to share this about my husband or my wife and just say it. You don't have to if you want to keep it private. But if you have a spouse who doesn't listen to this show and you want them to listen, then put something, make a tape and we'll play them. When you could test them. Yeah. Say, you could say, hey, listen to this show. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, that person's spouse voice will show up. Yes. So and they'll and it'll be something like a gift to them. Yeah. Um, so just take that opportunity to um, to share something lovely because, like Todd said in the Atlantic article um, about you know what it is that keeps partnerships alive, we're either looking for the negative or we're looking for the good. And while when we're feeling too much negative, of course we need to talk about it. I'm not saying sweep it under the rug, but we've got to spend most of our brain and heart energy noticing what's working because the more you notice, the more it grows, what you focus on grows. So it's kind of got to be a paradigm shift for us. Um, and you know, so as we close out the show, we're going to do some promoting, but as a backdrop to it is going to be, uh, this is a song written by our neighbor and good friend, Jerry O'Keefe. And he was on our show. Yes, he was. He was on one of our conversations with people we love. And the name of the song is Chris, uh, December, hold on. And if you want to uh, check out Jerry 
He's got a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Jerry D. O'Keefe. He's old school. He writes his own music. He plays his, plays the guitar. He taught our girls guitar lessons for a short period of time. He's he's a musician in the uh, in the literal meaning of the word word musician. Yeah. So, so um, anyways, he's got CDs on sale on his Facebook page. If you go to the info, but what do you want to promote, my dear? Um, well, my book. Yeah, I can't say that it'll arrive before Christmas because no. this is Christmas Sorry. week. Um, but if you want something for the new year or, you know, just something to read in 2015 to inspire you, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting, and my other two books, The Self-Aware Parent 1, The Self-Aware Parent 2, and we also have some hats. That's right, winter caps. Winter caps, so you can enjoy your January and February. They have ZPR on one side and BU on the other. That's right. It's going to be awesome. It is. I'm excited. So I will promote uh, my men's retreat, which is at the end of February. So if you're interested, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. It's basically just a bunch of amazing men bonding together, bonding with nature, having some fun, and working on themselves. Wonderful. So it's going to be really good. Um, anything else, sweetie? I think that's it. Everybody have a great holiday week. That's right. I mean, this is the week, right? Yeah. This is when Christmas is here. So um, enjoy all the Santa moments and notice what's working and allow it to be what it is rather than trying to control how it should be. Um, just just notice the beauty. This is a time of love, you know? It's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, be cool. Keep trucking. And keep trucking. Don't steal my line, sweetie. <laughs> all right. Adios. Thank you.